Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it is Your Impact Attack. The VBC is back in the saddle for another one. And uh, who is that? Who the hell's the VBC? Well, that would be uh, probably myself. Jamie Williams would be the V because people know me as the vet around here. The vet. He's a Rip Rogers guy. Rogers guy. Uh, tag team partner B for Brandon tagging in. Brandon, how's it going? It is going super, sir. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Um, super as well. Um, Maybe not a super as big gal, but pretty, pretty super. Um, and uh, the C is the chat. And there used to be a Colin, but now it's the chat. And sometimes Colin's in the chat, but we don't double up on the C's if he's in the chat. He's just part of the chat now. That's all that he is. But speaking of the chat, who do we have with us on this fine evening? Let's see who we have on with us on this fine Monday. We got Lab Rat, Quit, Chris Winland, Jerome Hall, Lizbeth, Retro Rocket Review, and Al Robinson. How you guys doing? Thank you for stopping in. Much love to you. Whoop whoop. All right. So we got some people in the house, and um, so uh, Chris Winland has an interesting question. We could start with this. So. What was your favorite moment during each of your wrestling careers, respectively? That's a very, very interesting question. Um, to who, I don't know. I guess Chris Winley. But um, uh, what, what, what would you say, uh, Brandon, was your favorite moment? I mean, that's... Um, I guess that implies, like, uh, personally, right? Like, you're... Yeah your person like it, it it may not be the biggest thing or the most the most uh you know over thing you ever did but just a moment that for you is a favorite memory what, what would be what would that be for you or if you have a couple uh for sure it would be when i got to actually work a program and feud with uh who at the time was my best friend mm -hmm. and you know how how is that like what well, kind of kind of you don't have to go into the entire thing, but just a little bit of uh, maybe like an overview of what you guys did and why that stands out as a favorite memory. Uh, it, it ended up concluding in a mask versus hair match where I was and the start of the feud ended up being where like, you know, it was acknowledged our friendship and he used to wrestle under a hood or knew somebody who wrestled under a hood, but it was actually him the entire it was actually him or he did two gimmicks at the same time or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we acknowledged our friendship and then he was kind of horrified with me or the first thing that kicked it off was I had a mask match with another guy who wore a mask and I ripped his off and then his tag team partner ran with a towel to cover him. And my friend was angry at me for doing that. And it led to us kind of just going back and forth and then to the mask versus hair match. All right. Um, uh, well, did you uh, take his mask? 
Now I ended up cutting my hair, but that was about seven years ago. So I've had plenty of time to grow it back. <laughs> I see. I see. All right. That it's cool when you get to uh, when, when you get to actually bring something to fruition. You know, instead of having the usual. You know, we see this all the time, even in the the highest level of starts and stops, and you know, actually getting to you know live up to the potential of what your character is doing you know this friday uh roman reigns you know la knight got to be in the, the same ring you know and it's taken him how long to to get that after just you know even months or even weeks ago he was doing jobs <laughs> or even you know like last year being max dupree and you know so it it's cool when you get to do something good <laughs> Speaking of which, did you hear the news that kind of came out of that thing from the uh, stream with Masse and uh, what's the other guy? Mansoor? Mansoor, Mansoor yeah. Mansoor, yeah. Uh, that, no. Uh, he apparently, uh, or LA Knight, hated the gimmick and threatened to leave the company if they kept him in it. Wow. Is that the first time a threat has ever worked like that? Well, I think at the time it might have been Triple H in charge. He's like, "Don't worry, we, I'll get you out of this." Yeah, because that's when it happened. It was the first time McMahon stepped away. That <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, the next week, he's like, "I'm out of here," on TV. So the timeline adds up. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're. Thinking um so for just, me like i was oh, shocked they made him a manager because it's like i mean obviously the guy can talk but it's like he's got more he's got plenty of time still left in the ring just it's it's time to just put that senile old man out to pasture uh, it's shit like that is the reason why you can't you know he's got nothing to offer anymore um like maybe as like somebody you go to where it's like hey i'm having trouble with this what do you think something like that maybe or just like just somebody to like like a uh a mentor somebody you go to if you're stuck at something or somebody to give you advice but not like the guy steering the ship yeah yeah well at, at this point i don't i couldn't even agree with the other thing it's just just get him out it's done it's a wrap i mean um, i mean if you're doing anything with him i think the dude should be at home just resting and enjoying the whatever is left of his life right well yeah i i don't care if he enjoys anything in his life fuck him uh so as for me my favorite moment some people might think uh that it would be the uh the whole WrestleMania thing, which I talked about, um, Vince McMahon's creation to be a part, to be a part of his creation, inject a lethal dose of poison into it. Uh, not really, but um, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, yeah, I, I did some extra stuff at WrestleMania. We, they needed people to be photographers and paparazzi for uh m and m and they also needed druids for the undertaker because at wrestlemania 23 that year uh he and batista had a match for the world championship 
So, which I thought was one of Batista's better matches. It was. It was at the time, and they were proud of it. And there was a thing where they really felt like, you know, the competitiveness with Raw and SmackDown, uh, as as a shoot, you know, in terms of their professional, you know, performances, they they both felt like you know they had some pride in their particular show i don't think that exists these days but well i think part of that too was the fact that the undertaker won the royal rumble and they were not main eventing wrestlemania's harry's kind of had a bit of a chip on their shoulder where it's like okay we'll show you why we should be the main event that too but yes uh as we know um the main event was Shawn michaels and john cena um and look in, in and with all due respect to everyone involved, I mean, if we're just talking about, in retrospect, looking back, which match should have closed the show, if you're talking about a main event level epic match, the Cena and Michaels one was way better than Batista and Undertaker, even I don't care how hard they worked or how much they thought they deserved to be in it. But as we know, just having a good match doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you know, you get to close the show and nobody would have known how good the match was or wasn't before uh they had it so anyway they did what they did it was a cool moment a lot of memories from that day um donald trump was there you know a bunch of people just milling around backstage and you being in that perpetual purgatory of like you're you're there as a you know some professional capacity so you can't just talk to people or be a fan and but uh, the other time you're not over enough to be a colleague so you kind of just have to pick your spots so i kind of just tried to shake hands with whoever i couldn't avoid and you know and and not bother anybody too much so um so it was an interesting and uh, stressful day but actually going out there i didn't even have time to concentrate on uh you know anything else like the magnitude of the situation the size of the crowd or anything like that because all i had to concentrate on was this torch i was holding and i could barely see through the hood so i didn't want to set anybody on fire or get set on fire myself so all i was thinking about don't set anybody on fire, uh, and and get it get to the back safely, and everything went off fine. Um, and it was actually when you go back and watch WrestleMania 23, it's a cool looking entrance. It's one of his cooler entrances. Um, the way the stage stage was set up. Um, so. So that so that was cool and, and everything, but in many ways, you know, being there being backstage and this is the biggest show of the year and this is what everybody's getting to and in many ways it was also the one of the i don't know what you want to call it like the straws that broke the camel's back or just one of the things that was like a deciding factor um to uh for me to sort of step away and just sort of retire uh it's like the you know being there was just like it this is it 
this is it huh this is, this doesn't feel altogether dissimilar from even the ovw locker room it's even at the highest level it's still just a bunch of people waiting around and bullshitting and you know like there's a lot of other people working hard you know like running around trying to get stuff done people that will never know their names people that the warrior award was created to honor uh but as far as wrestlers are concerned it just seems like another day the catering wasn't even that good so Ooh. yeah um so in many ways i was like this is it uh it was it was kind of like that so that was really not my favorite moment my favorite moment was there was there were two guys um that i trained with and one of them was uh <laughs> so so th these two guys were like a tag team i guess and it, it was uh the tag team was the sonic fang because there was a guy named that he called himself fang he kind of looked like he he looked like he he was really small and skinny and he but he he sort of painted his face like sting and and uh you know had the tights like sting and everything the other guy sonic was literally sonic the hedgehog he had a like a, a bodysuit and a mask he had this cool mask made that had the hedgehog spikes on it like in a mohawk thing obviously he could never monetize this and <laughs> in any meaningful fashion but uh yeah so these were these were two um these are two guys that you look at them and it's like yeah, they're never gonna they're never gonna be on a stage like that or at least at that time that's how i felt but um but they were both great guys and they were both good in the ring and all we wanted as my tag team the army of two wanted to have a match against them at one of our monthly shows one of our monthly house shows or whatever it was that we sell the tickets. So they, you know, we couldn't really book ourselves. So what we would do is every training session when it was promo time, you know, we get our one minute promo or whatever, and we would try to book ourselves in the angle with the Sonic Fang in the promo. So we would talk about like, you know, going to his house and kicking the shit out of Fang in front of his family and all the stuff that we did, you know, like we're, we're trying to provide the backstory for this and, and everything. And we're trying to get the people to be like, eh, hint, hint, come on. You got two tag teams, put us together. Come on. And, um, you know, it's all, it's all we wanted. So back and forth, we would do promo battles and, and yes, and each other and the ridiculous stuff that we were saying to try to lead up to it. And finally, um you know we go to one of the shows the the um the amateur shows what they, they they called it that's what we referred to it as probably because that's what jim Cornette it disdain with disdain referred to him as those fucking amateurs the amateur shows and uh so we finally show up for one of those and when we talk to um, I guess you guys would know him if you watch the wrestlers on Netflix, Adam Revolver, right? He was doing some of the booking then, like as far as 
you know, Rip put him in charge of setting up some of the matches, you know, that's how he got his start is him being one of the, the, uh, the guys that would be an example for the class. Like a Rip would use him to demonstrate things or, or, or whatever. So, but he also gave him that, that experience of like, all right, put a card together and you know, this is who sold this and this is who sold that and put them up, you know, put them together. So finally, we got to he he put our our name up against the sonic fang so we were able to finally have the match so we talked about it with him we laid the whole thing out um at least we laid out the part that you know needed to be laid out and i don't like to plan every little last move so but anyway, we go in there and we had the match and it was the best match. It felt the best. IRA, you know how you go in the, you probably done this before, Brandon, if you ever had a match and you're out there and you're like in real time, you're like, oh my God, I'm, uh, this is dying. This is dead. This is the shits. Everybody hates this. No one's going to like this. And then you go back and watch it later and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I just felt like it was worse than it was. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. There's several of those right it's never as bad as you think it is and you rarely are like you're rarely in the ring and you're like yes this is perfect i love everything about what's going on right now it's always like a level of stress and you know hypercriticalism in the moment and whatever but this was a match where i was like yes this is working this is exactly what i want the crowd is into it someone had brought like a giant stuffed sonic doll like like one of the like the, the novelty size that you would win at the fair or something like that. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog doll in the audience. And um yeah, so they made a great comeback and uh we put them over and it, it was easily my favorite match that I ever had. It was my favorite moment that I ever had because we finally got to do it. Much like you were saying, you know, you had a program that you followed and you were able to see it through to the end and then you know anytime we got to work with those guys it was great which wasn't much the only other time we got to work with the sonic fang was uh the interesting story behind that was like i was out of town so i got picked up from the airport and i'm putting my i'm lacing my boots in the back seat of the car on the way back from the airport and we get to the arena just in time to talk to sonic fang for like a minute and go over a couple of things and we called the whole thing out there and it was not it, it wasn't as good i thought as the first one but it was still pretty good and it was easy to work with those guys and that was the most fun i ever had wrestling a match um because of those circumstances you know the one of being able to build it yourself even though the only people that knew about it was the other, the boys, you know, like none of the fans knew any of the backstory. Mm -hmm. His, his family didn't know that we had kicked the shit out of Fang in front of them, you know, like they didn't know that. So, so uh, unless he told them, but I mean, but yeah, so it was just, it was just cool to do that and to finally get to do it, what we wanted. And then it was cool to know that you could just go in there and, call a 10 minute match on the fly with no prep just just do it right off the plane not even you know really warmed up or anything just 
that was I think those would be my favorite moments is what I would say so yeah um so there you go uh but uh yeah so in any case um good question from chris winland who you can see on the pwc you know doing reviews uh from time to time he's getting figured in now you're figured in boy um so congratulations to chris um and you know we all know we love the pwc jimmy t chris ams a lot of work with them get to do wreckage every sunday chris wasn't with us this sunday but uh it's all right we did fine um but that's kind of his show so i enjoy going along with the ride you know instead of driving sometimes um it's nice i don't have to necessarily make a list of notes but you, Brandon, have made a punching up impact because these motherfuckers need to be taught a lesson. Yeah, well, right. Indeed. Uh, leading up into Bound for Glory, I'm going to redo the entire build up to it. Um, and it's going to feature a lot more moose. I think we can all agree that is the thing to do. Shit, I've lost count of how many times I had Moose appear on camera. That's good. I like to hear that. <laughs> Starting off strong before we even started. <laughs> Too much Moose. No such thing. But. Never get enough Moose. All right. So this is going to be starting with the first impact coming off of the 1000th episode. This will be the edition that aired on 92823. We started off with our recap and catch-up packet, and then the intro, Pyro and Ballyhoo. Go to the announce table, talk about recent events, and then we go to an in-ring with Moose and Myers. Sorry. Moose music and entrance with Myers in the briefcase. Moose says that he will cash in his shot at some time before now and bound for glory. He wants to turn Impact Wrestling into his own personal playground for his amusement, and it starts tonight. But first he says there's some buzzkills that have to be eliminated, and then he attacks Myers, spears him, and leaves him laying. Oh my goodness. That bastard moose. I love it. Then <laughs> we cut to the announce table. They cut. They talk about what just happened, and they throw it to the ring for the first match, which is a knockouts tag team titles match. MK Ultra versus the Death Dolls. We got Death Dolls music and entrance, MK Ultra music and entrance, MK Ultra goes over when Crazy Steve comes out and distracts the Death Dolls. During the match, announcers mention that Moose versus Myers has been made for later in the evening. And then post-match, Steve tells the Death Dolls that he has been talking with him and that he will be back soon. So it's Carmelo Hayes. He's talking to Carmelo Hayes. Got it. Indeed. And and uh, was Moose the special referee for that women's match? Just because if he wasn't. Let's say he was. All right, yeah, all right. It's his personal playground, after all. And then you go to our first commercial break, and we come back to a backstage segment with the Death Dolls where they talk about Steve's recent actions, and they speculate on who he might be. Backstage, we go to Tasha and Deanna. We have the same promo that we saw on the show. And then match two is Rhino versus Jack Price. 
Same thing we saw on the show with that. And then backstage, you got Gia and Alex Shelley. Same promo on the show, but except here we have Shelley versus Alexander made official for Bound for Glory. And then Moose walks into the shot and he stirs the pot between Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander. I would also like if I if I could be so bold, uh, I would have Moose take the microphone from Gia and say that she'll no longer be needed the rest of the night and he'll be conducting the backstage interviews. <laughs> At the very least for this one, that would have been interesting. That actually would have made this segment better. If he would have like basically said, I got this and interviewed Shelly. Yep. Hit the bricks, Gia. <laughs> no, actually, I would not on your suggestion, I would I would change it to that. All right. We're doing it. It's all moves all the time. <laughs> all right. So then we go to our second commercial break. And we come back to backstage. Eddie Edwards and Alicia. That promo that goes the same way as it does on the show with Frankie Kazarian showing up and interrupting. Then you go to match number three, Giselle Shaw versus Trinity. And then Trinity up after Bosch interference from the Shaw Tourage. And then Shaw finally fires Jay and Evans. Oh, no. Now what are they going to do? Tune in next week. Okay. And then backstage, we have the same promo with Bully and Macklin that goes like it does on the show. Except that when they leave the shot, the cameraman notices Josh Alexander is on the ground unconscious and he calls for help before we go to our third commercial break. Oh, yes. This is a very impact move where the guy is like two feet away and then nobody notices until the camera moves over. Well, to be fair, I don't think Bully and Macklin would care. They wouldn't care. Which is why I actually... which is actually why I put it in that segment because they'd be the lines be like, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Everyone assumed they just did that. And then we come back from commercial with Josh Alexander being helped into the ambulance and Demore is getting into the ambulance with him. And go to our fourth match, Dreamer and Heath versus King and Sheldon. Same match that we see on the show. And then we go to a backstage segment with the ABCs, which is the same promo we saw on the show. And then match number five, Moose versus Myers. Myers music and entrance, and Moose jumps him during his entrance, and it's just an absolute obliteration. Moose destroys Myers and beats him. Before we go to our fourth commercial break. And come back with Moose. Gia asks him his thoughts on what happened to Alexander. He says it's a shame, and then he'll be watching Chris Saban's X Division title defense later tonight in the main event. Then we go to match number six, Jonathan Gresham versus Mike Bailey, which is the same match you saw on the show because that's actually one thing that's going correctly that they're doing. Yes, and no moose is necessary to spice this up. No, they they got this covered. And then although, we go. Although, I mean, they, they could, we could have moose come in and. Tell Gresham, you know, it's like, I like the way you think now, or something like that. Wouldn't hurt. No, that's not a bad idea. In fact, let's actually have that segment in the back where you see Gresham coming to the back. Moose congratulates him, says, did a good job. I like your, I like your thoughts. That's how you do, that's what you do to win. That's how you get ahead. I'm watching you. I like what I'm seeing. 
Maybe one day you'll make it in this business, kid. <laughs> and then we go to our in-ring with the Yuya goodbye ceremony. Except that they, they have their music and entrance, they do the ceremony, except they get interrupted by the rascals who lay them out and spray paint them with no match. Hmm. Well, we got to fire them now. And then we go to our fifth and final commercial break. Backstage, Saban is getting ready for his match. Moose once again reiterates to Saban he has his back. And we go to our New Japan hype video. Go to the announce table where they run down the card for next week's show. Match seven, our main event, X Division Championship, Chris Saban versus Alan Angels. Angels music and entrance, Saban music and entrance. We do the spot where Angels hits his kick, Saban kicks out. Angels rolls to outside to grab a chair. Moose stops Angels, spins him, spears him, and then rolls him into the ring. Saban doesn't know what happened. He hits his finisher and goes over. Moose sick raises Saban's hand and show goes off the air with a confused Saban being congratulated by Moose. All right. Well, firstly, I like the Moose. And secondly, I'm finished. I have no more notes. <laughs> Basically, the whole idea is Moose is kind of trying to fuck with Shelly, like getting involved with his relationships and just sticking his sure. nose in like anything that involves the title. Sure. Well, you know, and you can take this approach of like, uh, I'm about to officially run this place, so I might as well start running it now, especially if our uh if if our actual showrunner is going to jump in the ambulance at the drop of a hat every time somebody gets a splinter you know like you have him cut these type of promos you know saying that if i have to be scott demore around here i'll be happy to because i'm going to run every other damn thing you can hear moose saying these things right so it, it would be an interesting this is one of those things where like um impact is small enough seeming of an operation even on television like the way they do it is seems like so mom and pop that you know you can actually get away you know like when judgment day comes and says they run monday night raw or whatever you're like uh you're just some wrestlers and same thing with the bloodlines like we run roman reigns runs everything it's like eh, well do you really i mean right you got a whole board you have to answer to Right. There's a lot of things going on here, and this place looks pretty big, and you're just a wrestler. When Moose says, or any for anybody for that matter, anybody that's like, they decide they want to single-handedly take over Impact, and then you got Scott Demore just leaving the building, uh, it's like, now it's possible. So <laughs> you, you could definitely have that thing where a guy thinks that he's big enough of a deal that he can do it, whether or not he can that's what makes him a heel because people are going to see the audacity in that but it, it could make for some interesting tv or do something where moose buddies up with like scott's bosses well yeah i mean if you want to go that far sure um you can take it any number of directions uh but instead as we'll see very soon, it seems like they're just content to spin their wheels and do the least interesting thing. 
And then anytime that they put any effort into something, it seems like almost misguided. So. Although I do have um, a twist on where it goes at Bound for Glory. <laughs> a twist, you say? Well, I guess I will tune in next week. But uh, when is Bound for Glory? Is that this weekend or next weekend? It is this Saturday. God damn it. I don't want to watch that shit. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I guess we'll find out uh, on the next episode of the Impact Attack. We'll find out the twist leading into Bound for Glory. Oh, it would happen at Bound for Glory. The twist leading at Bound for Glory. I, we're going to cover Bound for Glory anyway, so uh, it's going to be on the next episode no matter what. Please look forward to it. Um, but in the meantime, we're at now, which was then, and uh, we'll go to it. Uh, so this episode of Impact was... Uh, on the uh, October, was it October 12th? I believe it was. Yes, it was. All right. So um, we've got our standard ketchup packet to open. And then we go to Swanahan versus the Rascals. All right. And for real, if you guys have not seen the movie Black Sheep, you have to watch it. You have to. That shit is funny as fuck. That's right. It's the Tommy Boy movie that wasn't Tommy Boy. It was yes. Black Sheep. But still basically Tommy Boy. They could have made it a damn sequel. All they would have to do change a couple little things around. Yeah, it was basically like the same premise, just like, or the same like foundation, just a different story surrounding it. That's right. Um, now, the Rascals, on the other hand, while I'm sure they got <laughs> high and watched Black Sheep, they are not Black Sheep. They are the rascals. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, they had their match, you know, you can imagine how the match went. And then, uh, so then they do the spot where Zachary Wentz has grabbed, um, Rich Swan and then Trey goes to spray him with the, uh, cause the referee got, distracted somehow right or knocked down or some i missed that part what would it would that happen to the ref at this point that he wasn't seeing this and he was distracted right there were some there was they they at least tried to cover like having the ref not see it tried to yeah it was like oh oh i remember what it was now i did actually watch the match i just i know it sounds like i don't and i make fun of the fact that i don't and i kind of don't but i do remember what happened he uh, he, uh, he went to, I think he went and grabbed like a title belt or something else and act like he was going to use it. And he's like hiding the spray, like Trey is hiding the spray paint behind his back yeah, the whole okay, time. Yeah. Yep. And then the ref goes to put the foreign object out. And while he's doing that, they go to spray rich, rich ducks and he sprays Zachary in the face. Basically then, using, the, using the foreign object as the red herring to, to distract the ref as to use the spray paint. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was one of the builds. Um, and then he, uh, then he goes and yeah, he gets sprayed, and then um, Swan gets kicks Miguel out of there, and then they take Zachary and then they hook him up for a spike pile driver. So, so Swan comes off the top rope and pushes down um, Zach's heels 
you know, and, and Sammy spikes him, right? And uh, Wentz just kicks out. He just kicks out. One, two, no, kick no, out. Not no, even a Can't have no the partner delay. break it up or... Nope. Nope. Trey Miguel was already, you know, he must have been cold cocked by Rich Swan or whatever or Sammy or whoever took him out. Uh, that part I didn't, I don't remember either. The only, but, th- um, the only thing I can think of for that to make sense is that because Sammy's leaving, they want to make somebody look strong by kicking out of a double team of his version of his finisher on the way out. That's the only thing I can think uh, of. Oh yeah. Don't, don't think I didn't think of that too. Cause that's not the only thing. Um, not only did, not only did they do that, uh, where it's like, fuck you were kicking out of your shit, your, your shit plus. It's not just your pile driver that's your finisher. It's your your tag team partner jumping off yeah. and spiking him, and I'm still kicking out of that onto no problem, no delay, no referee delayed on the count, no you know, no partner save, like you said, nothing. Just I'm just kicking out like it's a just a regular schoolboy, and then Sammy gets a low blow. Right, they punch him in the balls. The ref again is not seeing it. And then um, they do that stupid move they do uh, where um, they used to, you know, Wentz did this with uh, uh, Desmond Xavier too. Uh, He does like a standing moonsault and then Zachary just like shoves him over in midair so that the moonsault like splashes him. So there's really no point to doing it, but other than it just looks different. And that's I think I've seen to... that before. Not from these guys, but I've seen that before. Yeah. They did it when 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 Wentz was still in NXT and they were the you know, whatever they were. I, f- I already forget their name. Actually, you know what? That. I'm I might have seen them do that when they were a trio and impact. Yeah, I'm sure they've done it for years. The point is it's a it's a flashy spot that doesn't look like it very big of a deal it's just a moonsault from a guy that doesn't weigh that much so um a standing moonsault at that not a top rope moonsault not a acai moonsault just i'm standing next to you i do a moonsault and then while i'm in midair my partner shoves me over so that i float and hit you whereas if he didn't shove me i would just hit the canvas and crash and burn uh, but it doesn't matter because i'm only four feet off the ground yeah, that's one of the moves where it's one hundred percent visual. Mm-hmm. But you beat Sammy with it, cause fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you want to leave? Fuck you. Now we say fuck you. Um, not any of the creative you presented or any of the matches that you had. Now that you want to leave, we're gonna say, oh yeah, you're gonna someone's gonna kick out of your super finish and you're gonna lose to this shitty move that no one's ever lost to in the history of time. Nothing about this match. Remember when super kicks used to actually end matches instead of stun guys for like a second? Yes. Sometimes they don't even stun guys for a second. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I just wrote down when I saw that, I was like, well, this is how you go out in impact. <laughs> when you, when you make it public or somebody makes it public that you're done, you're finishing up with the company. You know, they make sure to make you look as bad as possible. Mm, so there you go. Doesn't make any sense. Which, which yeah, which I mean, I, I, mean, I get, of... I get doing the job on the way out, but 
Yeah. There's a difference between like doing the honors and not making the guy look like shit on the way out. Right. And they they also never do it to anybody that's going to matter either. You know, like it, it's it's not going to matter if you lose this tag team match to the Rascals. Like you're not helping make the Rascals. You're not you're not help getting the Rascals over. It's just you're just a guy they beat. So like on top of the insult, you're also like not contributing really anything to the company on the way out. You're just getting beat. And that's more important to them. Uh, when for me, I think the more important thing would be like, how can I use Sammy? If I really want to help get somebody over, how can I use him to help do that? And then I would, well, if it were me, then I would say, okay, well, I picked the wrong guy if I'm looking for help, but you know, regardless, um, there's really, and, and do they, as, as the kind of marks that you would have to be to even think that way, do you think that, uh, you know, what, what do you think you're doing? You think you're lowering the stock of this guy for your competition? Like, like somebody's going to be like, well, I can't sign Sammy. Did you see him lose to that moonsault? I mean, come on. I can't hire him now. He's, he's, he's useless to me. <laughs> Does anybody think like that? I think so that- what's the point? That is one of the few benefits of having it be a niche audience is that they kind of get and understand that. And they just kind of like, don't let that bother them. We're like, oh, we're just happy to see this guy over here. And they just completely uh, ignore like the booking beforehand. I, I guess we have to. Um, well, anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, did you have anything to add about the match or any of this? Uh, I, I forgot what the double down was, but I remember I put a note on there saying that was the dumbest and most illogical double down that I've ever seen. Mm, let me think. Double down. Which means what I probably do? wanted to forget it because it was that bad. Yeah, what'd they do? Man, I it's I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it was bad. It was like so illogical and stupid. Is it one of those things where they just did moves to each other and then just collapsed? <laughs> Man, like we ain't my... selling anything until it's time to just collapse for a double down. <laughs> Man, I see that a lot these days. I can't remember specifically off the top of my head what it was. All I know is just like watching it i was just thinking like this is so stupid and convoluted it makes no sense okay well um let's take a break and answer a question or two (laughs) chris winland says do you guys think mickey james will finish her career in wwe joining nick aldis there sure well with with nick being there that i can definitely see that option being on the table and plus johnny ace is gone carano's gone the Tapatio mascot is supposedly gone. Um, yeah, it, it could happen. It's cool. It's nice to see Nick Aldis there and getting on TV. You know, he'll transition out of that into, you know, some physicality, I'm sure. But this is a good way to start it. Yeah, my only thing is I wish, like, WWE would have given more of an introduction to who Nick Aldis was. If I was like a pure WWE fan and I saw him come up on my screen, I'd be like, who? Who? 
Well, at least he, at least Nick Aldis, whenever you see him, he looks like a somebody. So even if yes, you don't he, know who he is, you'll feel like you should. Yes. So at least that. I didn't like how the, um, I, you know, you don't get the entrance because he's not going to get the pop. But instead, he was all just like, he was sitting there the whole time. And then he just gets up from the floor and gets into the ring on the spot, which he didn't even come out of the back, which... That was a little weird. That could have been another reason why the crowd didn't really react to he, him he because he had entrance. already been out there and sitting, waiting. Right, like if he had gotten an entrance and music, a video, and like Triple H had been kind of like had that card up his sleeve waiting to play the entire night, sure. Yeah. So that I would have done differently, but, you know, whatever. But yeah, I think eventually eventually mickey will will go there and even if she doesn't actually wrestle anymore which i'm sure she will but even if she didn't um you know just to just to be like an ambassador have a role like for example uh if nick aldis does transition into physicality in the ring how about mickey james be the gm of smackdown why not why not tell me one reason why not I mean, you I mean they're trying to do the whole uh, diversity and inclusion thing. Why not exactly? Why not? Or just because she's a name and a, uh, you know, she she's a hardcore country. She'll get rowdy if these people get out of line. Um, so yeah, and then the other question: How can I find which hooded guys of Edit Mania Twenty Three? You can't. It's going to be pretty hard. Even if I told you which one I was, there's nothing that identifies me uh, as that. So you'll just have to pretend that they're all me. Um, so. Oh, yeah, it's true. They did already have actually a couple. They had Stephanie and AJ Lee. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, and Vicky Guerrero. I mean, oh, and Vicky Guerrero. But then again, you can't really count Stephanie because that was, you know, she's a McMahon. You can't really count that. That's right um so yeah all right well anyway back to impact so everybody's ducking kenny king apparently uh and uh i like that he threatens that uh um he's gonna you know make it so that he, all of Heath's kids are gonna be eating beans and sardines and stuff because his dad's not gonna be able to provide for them anymore after kenny king takes them out so that's good um any notes for kenny no, i thought this was one of his better promos i mean he just kind of took what he had that was available and made the most of what he had to work with and yeah. delivered it passionately and believably sheldon uh said something too but the, this is mostly kenny's promo so uh we'll just notice the lights though all those damn lights yeah it was kind of well, I don't know. It was a little more stylized <laughs> this time, but I, I'm still not a fan of it. Something we can work on. Um, I just the the ones I hate is where it's clearly a room where you just threw one or two of those on the ground and stuck it right there, and it doesn't really add anything other than distracting uh, from how everything looks. Yeah, whereas at least in this in the room where they're shooting it in, it looked like it could have been part of the room on a normal basis, rather than just hey, we're yeah, like if this here. is a club or or some some other deal, like you could see this being a 
A it, it, the, the lights looks more organic. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of organic, we transition from one king to another as Kylan King is with Gia, no music underneath. Um, and then she's asking about Taylor Wilde or something Gia is or whatever she's asking about. I don't know what she was asking about, but Santino came in and he was like, uh, he was doing some sleuthing and and finding it suspicious that uh, she's trying to point the finger at um, uh, Jody, Jody Threat for all the stuff that's been going on, including her the attack on her partner. And then she's like, oh, so you're trying to say I did it? Because I did do it. So she just admits that she did it. And uh, so she said Taylor was dead weight as soon as they lost the titles. So she's moving on and doing... She had some catchphrase or whatever. I forget. Long live the king. Yeah, I don't know how Kenny's going to feel about that. <laughs> we got two kings and two rushes in the same promotion. Do you think uh, they just have to get together and have a meeting before every taping? Like, all right, what are you gonna? What catchphrase are you gonna use with your with your king name? Because I was thinking this. I would sincerely hope they got together and be like, okay, what can we do to make this different from each other? Um, okay, so, well, what do you think of King being the, you know, outed as the assailant of her own partner, the people's witch? Oh, just too cheap and easy. And it kind of fuels the whole, like, cycle we see with knockouts tag teams. One forms, they win the belts, they lose them, they break up, rinse, repeat. Do you think Kylan King should just be fired for admitting that she hit her one of her coworkers with a tire iron? Absolutely. I mean, why shouldn't people in the in the backstage fear for their lives if she's doing stuff like that? Yeah, I agree. Um so next is the five-way match uh that we got to after the 10-person match last week and uh that is going to be the winning team of Eric Young and Jordan Grace, uh, Dango, Jake Something, and Champagne Sing. So, you know, now it's time for one of these people to determine the first in and the last in of the uh, gauntlet, call your shot gauntlet, whatever, whatever. So, you know, it's a five-way match. And uh, and then uh, the, the quote, the quote from uh, Tom Hannafin, what is Oleg Prudius doing here in the impact zone? He actually said that. So he's making fun of it too. Um, and, uh, you know, if you don't know who Oleg Prudius is, you're sitting there at home like, Oleg Prudius, who's that? Well, I mean, you know. And funny story enough too that it was Jerry Jarrett who took him away from TNA to WWE. It's kind of like a fuck you to his son. Really? That was what led to their falling out. Over this fucking guy? Yep. Because it was more like, um, like he kind of did it to snub Jeff. Still. This guy? <laughs> It was all over this? Not somebody good? 
or, or useful. Wow. The, the, this guy, the Vladimir Kozlov, the, I love double, double E that guy that caused a rift. I was guys. The reason there was a rift between his son. I think that might've, I mean, it was obviously it had been building for a while, but I think this might've been the, like the Charlotte broke the camel's back. I would have to go and take a look. Hold on one second. He did Jeff a favor. Well, anyway, while you're looking at that, uh, he ends up, you know, helping uh, Dango get the win. So Dango's going to come out last in the in the gauntlet thing, and uh, and Jake something gets the pin. So that means, or he he eats the pin. So that means he has to go in first and try to survive the whole thing. <laughs> um, so great. And neither one of those guys is winning it, so it doesn't matter. Um, but. Uh, that's that's who that's who won the match so was it uh was it in fact oleg prudius that caused a rift between I'm jerry the, the late jerry Jarrett? okay well then how about we go to the crazy steve vignette with music underneath uh he says he's uh gonna he will truly teach tommy dreamer about pain and misery so I assume he's going to show Tommy Dreamer his own last three matches and Tommy Dreamer will submit, I think. Um, or he could show him this vignette. Either way, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? We have Eddie, Fat Eddie and, uh, and Kazarian are getting ready for their match tonight, which is the main event. Nothing really to say here. They're just warming up. Yeah, right, unfortunately, I, I'm not able to find too much on that. But I do remember, like, when that happened, that's kind of what just let... I just remember this, this the whole thing that that was when just things blew between Jeff and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, some commentary about Kenny Omega in the chat. It's his birthday. He turned 40 today. Uh... Liz legit thought he was closer to 50 and retro thinks he grew up and trained with Jericho and he absolutely did not. I don't even know where you would get that as a Canadian. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should know the entire biography and life story of every Canadian person. Certainly who's ever wrestled, but pretty much in the country. Um, you all know each other. It's small enough. Shall be well aware of what everyone's doing and the timelines thereof. So Mike Bailey's with Gia. No music underneath. Uh, an open challenge. He issues an open challenge to anyone who thinks they're on the level of Osprey. Uh, so he's definitely trying to prep for his match at uh, Bound for Glory. And if anybody's on the level of Osprey, that means. Um, He's going to drop somebody on, on their fucking head and neck. Then uh, we'll see who they pick. I mean, we get our answer by the end of the night, but I don't really, I don't really know um, if that's a good enough warm up. 
Uh, then we get the next match is uh, Courtney Rush with Jessica, one of the Rushes, uh, versus Tasha Steeles with Deanna. Um, okay, here's a match. Uh, I don't have anything to say about it. Could tell you the finish. <laughs> But as for the match, I don't really have anything about any notes on the body of the match. It's kind of just what what these two do. Um, did you have anything to of note on the actual match itself? Uh, yes, actually, I did. I thought the announcers did a great job of trying to set the background and how Tasha and Diana actually have a more personal history that goes beyond Impact. I thought they did a great job with that. I thought Courtney Rush actually had pretty bad ring placement on the Irish whip because she, instead of whipping Tasha to the corner from the middle of the ring, she whipped her from one side of the ring to the other, whereas logically Tasha could have easily stopped herself and turned around. Um, and it looked like there's a spot in the match where Rush did her own hot tag and comeback in a singles match. <laughs> like, you remember the spot where, like, she went to the corner and she was, like, talking to Jessica like she was, like, I was going for a tag? And then all of a sudden, like it turned into like its own hot tag where Rush was hitting her, basically doing her own comeback. Hmm. Which was very weird that I thought. And let's see, Rush, I remember the spot where Rush had a submission hold on Tasha and she let go of it before Tasha even had a firm grip of the rope. Uh, she, Rush seemed very off this, this match. That's just that's how it felt to me. Seemed like she was having a bad night. Hmm. Well, do you think that could be uh let's see, I don't know. So Tasha is just recently back. I don't see Courtney Rush doing a lot of matches week to week. In fact, if she's if she's not wrestling on BTI or something, I don't know if I'm seeing her at all. So how much is she actually in the ring these days? Um well, also too, we gotta think of the indie show she might be working on the you know, in the non-impact shows that she's working when they're not taping. Is she? Good question. We don't know, but maybe not if this is the case. And she's, you know, you know, throughout, throughout her career, she's had one issue or another regarding injury or even concussions, I believe. So if you, if you're, if you're necessarily limiting your ring time because of, any physical reasons then your skills tend to atrophy uh so it's it's tough you have to keep on working to stay sharp in the ring and even to stay healthy sometimes because the layoffs in between matches cause you more pain every time you get in there like the ropes hurt more the bumps hurt more you have to callous yourself up to it and if she's not doing that that's just i don't know if any of this is true these are just possible reasons that could explain why it seemed like an off night. This is all speculation. We don't know. That's right. Well, here's what we do know. We know that uh, Courtney goes for the spear and Tasha Steele dodges the spear. Um, and then she hits the cutter and uh, gets the one, two, three. And um, MK Ultra is watching this backstage on the monitor. Very interested, I guess. Uh, so... So, yeah, so Deanna definitely got involved with Jessica at some point, you know, because you got to have them do something if they're going to be out there. But still, Tasha picks up the win, so 
not too surprising. Um, any other, any, you want to put a button on that or? Let's put a button. Let's put a bow. Let's move on. All right. We get a package with uh, Josh and uh, Alex. Um, and I was thinking, like, as I was writing this, Josh and Alex, I was like, were those the characters from Tekken? Uh, but it was actually Roger and Alex. Roger was the kangaroo, and Alex was the modified raptor with boxing gloves. So, um, so close, close but not really. Um, <laughs> they show the thing that happened uh, at the destruction show in Japan, um, where because we know the Motor City Machine Guns and Josh Alexander were supposed to challenge for the six man never open weight championships. So that would have been Okada, Tanahashi and Ishii. So they show the clip from that match where uh Josh goes to hit whoever and then hit Shelly instead, which leads to Tanahashi getting the pin on Alex Shelly. So you know, the classic, oh my god, um I hate you even though uh this was clearly um, the other person ducked, and that's why I got hit by you. <laughs> but I hate you even more now. I think that's the whole point of them showing this clip. Um, anything to add to that? I just didn't like it. Was all right, like when they did the part where they showed like him ducking and hitting them. But when they when they showed like Alexander sh helping Shelley to the back and. It, there should have been a lot more tension with that where Shelly pushed him off saying, fuck off, you did this to me. Yeah. Well, he probably hit him so hard he didn't know where he was at the time. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Bully talks to Burt Macklin uh, to confirm that he was indeed called soft twice by Macklin. He wasn't sure, but Macklin did confirm that, yes, indeed, he did say that Bully Ray is soft. Uh, and so Bully is fine with that and walks away. I don't know, that came across more like the sarcastic, oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, this ain't over. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um... All right. Well, now we're at our we're at our main event. It's time for the main event. It is a uh, Fat Eddie Edwards versus Heavy Metal Rebel Frankie Kazarian in a Killer Impact match. I know what you're Which thinking. What the fuck is that? It's a match that takes up about a third of the show. That's right. That's because it is a two out of three falls match, or in other words, um, in some fashion, it's a three stages of hell match, sort of. Because the first match can only be won by pinfall. The second match can only be won by submission. And if it goes to a third fall, it's a last man standing match. Dun, dun, dun. And Liz says again, like, didn't we already have the final match in this stupid feud? No, we didn't. We need three more matches in one. I thought we had a couple of them. I thought we had one when we had the wives involved. I thought we had it when we had the cinematic at the school. Well, now we have this. 
and it takes up a third of the show. So get ready for it. All right, fall number one. Um, well, Eddie, uh, Eddie hits the Boston knee party for a win. So one fall to Eddie. Uh, fall number two. Okay. So during this, during this submission match, Eddie, um, was just blistering Kazarian, uh, with chops, right? Until, until which point that Frankie Kazarian started to bleed. And by bleed, I mean, he fucking bladed his chest. Did you catch this? Did you see this? I'm like, that had to have been a blade job because at one point it stopped bleeding. Like if he was actually like busted open hard way, it would not stop. It was so, you know, I'm watching this and, uh, you know, I do, I, I probably was doing literal laundry at this point. So I went to fold something and put it away. And then when I look back over, you know, um, I see uh, Eddie chopping Kazarian and blood's flowing everywhere. And I was like, oh, good for you. Good for you, fatty. Right. You busted and him open. And then I rewound it. And I was like, which chop did this? And then I see him take a bump to the outside that I rewound it. I actually did rewind it. And I, I, I see the spot where he goes to like, he, he picks him up in like the backdrop and like throws him over the, throws him over the rope. So Frankie lands on the floor. And when he's on the floor, I can see his hand in this shape, <laughs> which you know what the fuck that means, right? Like who naturally would have their hand like this on the floor. Right. And plus the way the so, blood was dripping down his chest was just too clean. Like it was, yeah. So, yeah. So he, you know, so he goes over there and I guess he does as good a job as he can from hiding it, but the camera saw everything. And if you know what you're looking at, you would have seen, like I said, I saw his hand before I ever saw him do anything to himself. And the camera's over there on Eddie trying to, you know, follow him, whatever he's doing, so that... Let's put it, we, we've all seen what happens to people who actually have their chest turned into ground beef with chops. This was not Frankie's chest. No. If, if you... You don't... First of all, you don't blade your chest, okay? No. No. That is not something that you do. It's not a thing. This is not a thing, and Frankie should know that. You don't you don't need to do that. If the guy that's chopping you can't do it, then you don't get to bleed, but it's not gonna matter. Like this was not going to play into the fall in any significant way. It wouldn't play into the match in any significant way. Like even if you were doing a submission match and you wanted to recreate the WrestleMania 13 ending. No one's going to give up because their chest is bleeding. It's just not going to happen. So you couldn't even get a finish out of it. So what's the point? But if you just wanted the visual of your chest bleeding because he's hitting you that hard that many times, then just get somebody who can chop you that hard. The... The thing is, it's not just me talking out of my ass, bro. Like, I, I've i cut people before by chopping them. I can do it almost on command, or I used to be able to. I haven't tried it a, a decade and a half or so, but 
you know, if you know how to do it, you could do it. And, um, you know, Von Lilas, uh, Serena Deeb, you know, like a couple of people that I've given the two week tattoo where it looked like a ghost grabbed him in the titty because I hit him that hard. It's just, you can do it and you can cut people open. It's a technique. Eddie doesn't, he's not bad at chopping. Like he could, I, I think he could do it. And Frankie's got that, uh, that sun damaged chest. So it's real easy to just break it open. If you're doing it right. It's, it's not that hard. You can, you can make his chest bleed if you want to, but if you can't, oh, well, like if you're trying to hard way his chest and it won't bleed, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyways. Like if he sells it, if he sells the pain, who cares if the blood is flowing out of it? You know, it's just, these guys are fucking dumb. They, they ought to know better. Both of them. No, it has nothing to do with fingernails, Retro. No. It's just, it's just how you do it. You can do it. Um, but anyway, as I said, none of this has anything to do with the finish, which is, of this, of this particular fall, um, Eddie picks him up with the backpack stunner, and runs out to the middle of the ring and hits the move on Kaz. And then Kaz just sits up and puts him in the chicken wing and he taps out. So selling is optional. Um, so there was no reason to, no reason whatsoever to, um, you know, do the whole chest bleeding spot. Um, if you guys, if you, you wanted Abyss to, used to, Abyss used to blade his arms back in the day. What an idiot. Anyway, let's not talk about that. That guy thought Joe Burrow's better than Joe Montana. He's an idiot. So, so if, uh, it, it, and that's, and that's why you watch these WWE matches. Cause he's a producer. And when you're watching these WWE matches, you're like, Ugh, it's probably cause it's an abyss match. But anyway, um, nice guy though. I heard, uh, so um, what was my, what was I saying? Oh yeah. If you wanted to do a thing with a backpack stunner, right? You could have actually used the backpack stunner, um, to get a fall earlier, right? Like instead of the boss and knee party, you could have hit a backpack stunner and got a surprise win. Like not, not that it's like a, a roll up or something, but you hit the move and everybody assumes he'll kick out and he doesn't. And then he can sell it leading into the second fall. Like, oh man, that backpack stunner is the most effective backpack stunner that uh, that Eddie Edwards has ever done. And, and Kazarian is still reeling from it. You know, like you use that as a fall. And then in the second fall, you go for it again. And while he's, you've got him up on the shoulder, then before you run and take the bump, then he hooks you. So it's like you're teasing that you're getting a fall. You've everybody's already seen him lose to it once. Then he hooks the chicken wing on you before he takes the bump. Basically, the idea is Frankie let him do it to hook in the chicken wing. Yes, and he's hooking in the chicken wing because he knows he already got beat by this before, and he needs to do something to counter it now. Like you've shown your hand too many times, and I'm countering you. That's wrestling psychology, boys. You know. Take it from two guys that are just doing a podcast on Monday night, if you want. Uh, but that's how you do those kind of things. And it's things like that and these supposed, you know, 
industry veterans like these guys killer kowalski this whole thing is based on killer kowalski training i don't know if killer kowalski is going to give him the idea for the finish that i just did but he definitely knows that you probably don't blade your chest and you probably you don't no sell a fucking devastating move just to get your shit in i mean what are we doing trying to use somebody's name in recognition and supposedly to like honor them or whatever if you're just gonna undo anything he would have ever taught you it's a disgrace it's a fucking disgrace I bet you killer kowalski never bladed anybody's chest or his own in his life um so anyway um now we're in fall three which is the last minute standing match they wait till now to use any weapons even though i assume that the first two falls were no dq you know like if you can only win by pinfall then i assume that you could use garbage cans to uh you know get that pinfall um since you can't be dq'd but what do i know again no psychology and as Kazarian hits Eddie Edwards 40 times in a row with that same said trash can, I'm just thinking to myself, all right, where's, where's, where's Lish? Lish is going to come out here, you know. I'm already thinking of the finish is going to involve her, so I'm like, why, why are we waiting for it? Let's just get it over with, get out here, make it a two-on-one handicap match. Why are we even waiting? You know, why would you wait till the very end to, you know what I mean? It's like... What if what if Kazarian won the first two falls and she never would have came out? You know what I mean? It's just like things like those little psychological details that nobody thinks about. Um, so they do like suplexes on the floor. They do suplexes onto guys at ringside who are there to be suplexed onto and no other reason. Um, seriously, what was that guy doing there? He was just he was just sitting in a chair so that he could have uh frankie kazarian thrown into him um at first i thought it was the timekeeper like did you knock the timekeeper down and then i watched the timekeeper on the next table over just sitting there calmly while this guy takes a bump um and uh yeah so a lot of more garbage stuff literal you know we have a trash can right so i mean um and then, and then like cookie sheets too. Like they got cookie sheets in 2023, Brandon, we're doing, we're still hitting people with cookie sheets. Like is somebody baking stuff at ringside? Like during the commercial breaks, like do we, are we, are we giving the audience cookies? Like why do we have these? Maybe if it was a muffin tin. At least that would be different. And if it was full of muffins, then the muffins could go flying into the audience and then they could catch them. You know, kind of like when a new it. day would throw pancakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Because it's a cookie sheet and it has no business in a wrestling uh, ringside area, like there's really no reason you would have a cookie sheet there. You understand tables, you understand chairs, you understand tools. You understand some of the things that they keep a fire extinguisher. I'm sure that that's probably not the best place for it, but you know, you never know. It's nice to be safe. Um, so understand that cookie sheet. There's no reason for it. So what that means is that in preparation for this match, you 
could stock weapons under the ring for storage to be used later in your match. That would be the idea, right? If this were real, it, it means that either Eddie or Kazarian or both are taking things that they're bringing from outside and they're stowing it under the ring so they can pull it out later. So, hey, how about this, guys? Can I suggest if you're going to do this, if you want to go with the baking theme, how about one of those glass casserole dishes or something? Like, those hurt a hell of a lot more if you're trying to kill somebody. Uh, how about a crock pot? How about anything but a flimsy cookie sheet that has no reason? Since we're cutting ourselves, how about some cleavers? Let's bring a cleaver out there. Or uh, how about a butcher knife? Or, or is Steve the only one who gets cutlery around here? Like, is that is is there a rule? He's like, hey, guys, you know, knives and forks and mostly forks. That's my gimmick, you know. Maybe you guys could sharpen a spoon or something. I don't know. Yeah, just what anyway. So finally, um, Lish does come out uh, and they're putting over that she's got Kendra. And I was like, is it? I thought Kendra had like pink tape on on the stick or, or like a little bow or something this was just like like a regular one so it looked like kenny didn't look like kendra whatever uh, now i'm really picking nits um so anyway up on the top of the ramp uh uh kaz gives eddie a styles clash and then he goes down to deal with alicia and um he picks her up like in the sort of the spine buster position and carries her around and there's a table that got set up like against the stairs at the diagonal angle or whatever and he basically spears her through it but uh he takes the bump he, all of it yeah he turns it yeah he turns his back to go flying through the table at the last second like no one could see that but um so there you go and then he does the uh well i guess the announcers are calling fade to black uh, you may recognize this as the dead eye that Hangman does. It's like a, a tombstone where he's just like, imagine it's about to be like a reverse um, tomb. Like it's a think of it as like a reverse. Like if you're giving a guy a tombstone, he's going down your back instead of your front. Yeah. Or alternately you could think of like, um, it's an Alabama slam that you never flip back over. <laughs> he just goes straight Alabama straight slam down. and you drop to your knees. Mm-hmm. Yep through the table which it's impossible to protect the guy on that like i'm not saying it's impossible for him to be protected but it's impossible to guarantee that everything will go perfectly because you're really not in control of that uh if he somehow if he's if his weight and gravity somehow pull him through because it's the table right like if you're if you're if you were doing that in the ring you're basically taking it all on your knees so there's that but if you're going through a table and then you fall through to the concrete floor there's a chance that the momentum can pull him out of your hands if you're not careful so it's almost like you gotta have like a nice grip but just like not not just holding his ankles but like making sure you keep his head like tight between your thighs yeah well anyway i'm sure he didn't die because we would have heard about it uh so Anyway, that is, uh, thankfully, that is the finish. Um, you know, like, you can't really take much more of a bump than that. Like, if that can't put him away, what can? Uh, so that is the finish. And uh, as the, we go off the air, Tom is yelling that Kazarian beat respect into Edwards. 
Did he? I mean, do we know that? How do we know that? How do we know he beat respect until? I don't know. Find out it's next week. Find, yeah. What's respect doing here in the impact zone? That was uh, the guys busted their ass, um, but it was stupid shit. Like throughout that whole thing, I I pointed out the areas in which their psychology could be greatly improved. Um, but um, yeah, I did not. I did not hate it as much as some of the matches that we see that involve trash cans. Uh, but I just wished, I, I just expected better from these guys. I don't know why I expected better from these guys. Maybe I like Frankie and I hold him in a higher regard, but maybe I'm just wrong to do that. You know, maybe he, he is, as they call them, a TNA original. So why would I expect him to have psychology? You know, it's, it's a, it's a company founded on not having any psychology. So you know, all these guys that are still around 20-some years later uh, still haven't learned anything. Alex Shelley's still not getting it. Frankie Kazarian, still not getting it. Um, blading your fucking chest, like... <sighs> well, what do you think about the match? What were, what, what were your thoughts on the on the match overall? I or in I thought, detail. I thought this should have been save for bound for glory like if you're going to build this for as long as you have why are you not paying it off at your biggest show of the year instead of a main event of a random impact i'll tell you why if you want to if, if that's not a rhetorical question i'll tell you why they did it let's hear it because they want to make sure they have enough time for it on bound for glory is probably already going to be long so they don't want to have a two out of three falls match taking up 30, 35 minutes of a three hour show. So in order to make sure that they have enough time to get in all the shit they want to do, they're giving a TV main event because it's a taped show. If they need to edit stuff out of it to fit time in, then they can do that. So they're much more control of this match as a TV match than they would be if it was to be live. Uh, with a bunch of other stuff that has times they got to hit. That's the reason why they did it. But that being said, you traditionally would pay something off on a pay-per-view. So there is that. But so I'm not saying that I agree. I'm just saying that's why that's why they did what they did. There's a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong in this match that would cause complications in a live setting. So they can give these guys the time they need to have the match that they want to have. And then if anything else happens, they can fix it in post and trim it down or cut something else from the show to make sure they get the whole thing in. That's the reasoning. I guess. <laughs> Anything else on it? Uh, I mean, I mean, it was a decent match. Guys, guys worked hard. and They didn't do anything crazy or stupid. Well, they did the stupid thing. 
the chest blading and the oh yeah well that yeah and the the dead eye through the table was pretty crazy but they only did one thing each <laughs> i guess it depends on your definition of stupid cookie sheets like now maybe like if it was a hardcore match that spilled to the back and they're in catering and they're in the kitchen they start using cookie sheets okay mm -hmm. yeah your weapon should always be environmentally based like wherever you are you use something and if it's a real object and not a gimmick then just work it you know it's not that hard I don't, know. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know why wrestling has to be so complicated. Like, why do they go so out of their way to make everything so fucking fake? Like, everything is fake. Even, even when it's real, it's fake. Even when you're slicing your chest open with a razor blade, it's fake. Because you're, you're telling me that Eddie Edwards busted him open. But you have to cut yourself with a razor to bleed because Eddie isn't good enough to chop him hard way. So even when it's real, it's fake. It's just so fake. Everything's fake. Or if you wanted to do that spot for real, Frankie's got to suck up. Be like, just chop the shit out of me till I'm bleeding. That's the only way you're going to get that spot over like that, how it's supposed to and have it make sense and be real. He didn't do it, so I'm disappointed. Killer Kowalski is spinning in his grave, but you know, we can only do what we can do. We can put it out there in the universe, and if you subscribe to Channel Attitude, it will live forever. And then maybe in a time capsule, someone will find these digital shows and they will listen to it and they'll look back on a time in wrestling where two people had all the answers and no one was listening and it was as simple as just listening to brandon and vet and the whole industry could have been saved and moose could have been on top and it would have been glorious but uh i just sometimes i feel like we're just shouting in the dark so but at least we are shouting to people that understand and appreciate what we're trying to say. And so thank all of you guys for being here with us um, as we cover this. Um, um, let's see. How would I grade this mediocre treading water show? Uh, they're just killing time till Bound for Glory. I feel like nothing is really being set up in an interesting way. And then like on the next show the go home show or whatever it'll just be a bunch of stuff like oh here you go this is happening and if they do set up something then it's just who cares it's like uh you know jake something's number one in the gauntlet battle royal and dango's number 20 like you you took you took two weeks to set that up and it doesn't matter because neither one of those fucking guys are winning i guarantee you so okay even the stuff you set up it doesn't matter um at the very least though with 
Dango, you have the whole thing storyline going with him and uh, Bravo and Oleg Prudius or Vladimir Kozlov or whatever, whatever they're going to end up calling him during this run. At least yeah. you have that to branch off of, regardless of how Dango does in the does in the match. Yeah, and then, and then what? He can lose to Josh Alexander or something? Like, what are you gonna do with this guy? When was the last time he was even in a ring? This is just like Santino bringing in a friend for a payday. Is that what this is? I haven't followed his career after WWE double double E, so I I don't know what he's been up to. But no offense against the guy, I just. I'm looking at it just in terms of like, you know, what am I supposed to think if I'm just like a fan or whatever watching? But, um, yeah. So, it, it, in general, I just don't feel like a lot of exciting business is done here. Um, but, and, and no moose whatsoever on this episode. Like, not even barely a mention, if that. Uh, the announcers may have mentioned in passing, no appearances, no backstage, no match. So, fuck off. This guy is the number one contender, you know, at any moment for the world championship, but we don't need him on the show. And then you have, uh, you know, they said, find out who thinks they're Will Ospreay and is going to step up to Mike Bailey. Oh, well, it's Samurai Del Sol, I guess. Like, wow. Wow amazing you just shoehorn that in there too not even a little package of him answering the the challenge like it's like hey mike bailey i hear you're looking for some you know quick 30 second 80s wrestling promo not even that just next week mike bailey and you know it's like hey we found him for you and we're gonna make the graphic right now like fake again fake not exciting not interesting or even better have it do it all on social media like have bailey put out the challenge on the show Osprey responds or whoever responds on social media. They post, they announce it on their Twitter or whatever. And then you have set it for next week. Nah, we're not doing that graphic. That's how we have the announcer tell you minutes later and a graphic. So, so, I mean, that's the level of, uh, it's like, why bother even having Mike Bailey do a promo? Why don't right. you just, why don't you just have Tom say, Mike Bailey's looking for opponents and we found one. Like, that's all you get. You know, don't even waste our time with his fucking promo. Then if you don't, if you're not even going to show Samurai Del Sol on the screen or have him walk into the interview and challenge or whatever, like if you're not going to do any of the cliche wrestling shit, then don't bother doing any of it at all. Just. Just have the announcer just say the whole thing. Hey, this match is happening next week. Why? Who cares? You're going to watch it or not. See you later. That's the, the whole thing is that that's what Impact does. They're just like, they put way too much effort into some things, not nearly enough effort into other things. There's probably a lot of stuff going on that we don't understand that we could give them the benefit of the doubt on, but there's some things that they do that there's no excuse. I don't care what the excuse is. It's just not done properly. Whether that's something that happens within an actual match or whether that's something to do with the booking and lead up to a match. There's always those things where you're like, there's no excuse why you couldn't have done this differently. Some things I do get. You may have had to do a last minute change and cover some stuff up. I get that. That's going to happen. So 
you know, for anything that that happened that we've talked about, you know, oh, well, our bad, but there's also plenty of stuff that's not like that. So, yeah, again, we kind of go into the kind of privy of like, okay, we don't know what's going on and we're just going to kind of be like, okay, we're going to try to adjust into our thought process around that. Right. And for anybody that's actually loyal enough to watch Impact every week and also ends up listening to our show or whatever, I hope it gives them a different perspective on how what they're seeing either works or is or could be done differently. The perspective. That's all we really want is to give the fans a perspective. The fans of HMG, we want to give you guys a perspective that's different that you're not going to get from listening to people that don't really know how this shit is like the Meltzers and the Kellers and stuff. They just think they know. So like we have to set ourselves apart. We have to offer something different that you can't hear on the 8 million other podcasts or shows out there. So that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully you guys find that entertaining. Um, and hopefully uh, you will join us next week for the same thing. We're going to talk about Bound for Glory, their biggest show of the year, their WrestleMania, and we're going to see what they do with it. And uh, I'm already dreading it just because that means I have to watch it, and I don't want to. So they've made me not want to. That's their build to Bound for Glory is I don't want to watch it. So granted, I'm a little harder to please. I know that. On the other hand, even in the past, They've had some shows where I've been like, oh, I want to see a couple matches on here. I ain't getting any of that this this year. So, so there you go. But in any case, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, The Impact Attack and our coverage of the October 12th edition of Treading Water. I mean, Impact Wrestling. Um Brandon, do you have any final thoughts on the show or or anything else you want to say or anything you are looking forward to seeing next week that they could correct? Man, it's... They could be doing so much more. Like, I keep thinking back to, uh, like, 20... Like, Bound for Glory 2010, like, that whole ang- big angle going into that that span- spun into multiple matches. Like why 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 can't we see that level of effort put into like building to this show? I don't know. Good day, Piers Austin. The great Piers Austin has joined us just in time for us to close down the shop. So I'm glad we got to say hello to you so that we can say goodbye. Um Brandon, uh what do you got going on what is up with twitch um tell us what's uh where we can find you and what you're up to uh and you can find me on the usual places on twitter slash x at transarchist tia i am also at twitch.tv slash miss tia the transarchist and we are also on substack at hmg brandon all right that sounds like a good time uh as for me you know me um i'm all over hmg whether you like it or not so as of this recording this monday on the locker room with bin hameen going over some stuff talking some things and some you know wrestling news and other stuff so 
definitely check that out if you haven't got a chance. Um, and uh, then you've got... Uh, oh, every Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern with the uh, Next Level Wrestling Review. And uh, that's myself and Big Ray Hernandez. And we talk about NXT, which is bad in a different way. Then you've got um, the uh, Sunday morning wreckage, where we sift through the wreckage after the collision. And as uh, AEW is struggling, 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 um, we're covering that in real time and seeing just how quick they can tank something like, uh, you know, let's say the debut of edge <laughs> man that it is it's so disappointing seeing like the numbers that aew is putting out because anybody who really cares about wrestling and wants to see it succeed wants aew to do well mm-hmm. and seeing this is just it, it it does not help that at all seeing their yeah. numbers their attendance it's just It's they it's a little much. that Wembley number or how much what they sold at Wembley that I think that that really got in their heads big time and made them cocky. Well, even so, I mean, they should have known it doesn't necessarily translate, and you know, uh. As Pierce points out, Edge has never performed in front of a crowd that small since his time on the Indies. Yep, it's true. And when was the I'm last sure time some you, of those were bigger? And when was the last time? I said time that you, too. I said I said the last time I said the last time Edge was in front of that few of people, he was on the Tony Candelo Death Tours. But I said when we yeah, like when was the last time he was in front of a crowd like that? The nineties? Yes. That's literally when it was last. And even then. But I mean, even besides that, you know, his the, the everything he did from the moment he got there has been the shits. So, you know, what what you know what can you say? That's a whole other show. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you want to hear us talk about how bad everything is over there, or the, where they do get some things right, then check out the uh, check out wreckage with the PWC boys. Um, Jimmy T and Chris Ams. And then, um, you know, we got, of course, Chris Windland has been doing some work over at the P- PWC doing reviews of uh, Fastlane and some other, you know, some shows. And, and um, so check that out. Uh, check, check out uh, Chris Windland, Yes Boy, uh, over there working with the PWC fellas. Uh, that's fun. Um, what else can you check out? You can check out Wrestling with Rip Rogers. You guys like uh, fucking uh, wrestlers on on Netflix? Uh, then you're gonna want to see this episode because now we've got Hollywood Haley J sitting in with Rip and Vaughn. Uh, that's that's right, Vaughn Lilas, the guy that I busted open with a chop hard way, unlike fucking Eddie Edwards, you piece of shit. Um, you got um. Yeah, Holly, Hollywood Haley J with the guys for an hour doing an interview. And I won't spoil it for you, but you can uh, learn about the first time Rip met Haley and uh, exactly what he did in that meeting that is fucking hilarious. 
So check that out. It's on YouTube now, Wrestling with Rip Rogers. Every Friday they got a live Q&A, noon Eastern, concrete time, except when it's not. And, uh, you know, free to subscribe. So go over there and do that. Check out Stevie Rich's wrestling analysis. Everything he's doing, um, too much. You're doing too much, Stevie, because I can't keep up with all this. I don't have time to watch all your videos. I did, however, watch your newest video where you broke down the Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect knee lift uh, and how it was so good and so well perfect. Uh, so that's his newest video available on Stevie Rich's Wrestling Analysis YouTube channel. And... Um, of course, he's got his own fitness channel where he's doing a review of the Total Gym right now. And he's got his podcast, which is a big fitness show, Big Mike Barron. Steve Rich is just, you, you can't stop Stevie. He, he, he's going to no-sell uh, everything, all of his physical setbacks, just like um, uh, just like Frankie Kazarian no-sells a backpack stunner. So definitely give Steve Rich a check out. And of course, you know, the great Piers Austin. Um, doing shooting the shit uncensored um, and uh, all of his shows over there on the Piers Austin Network go check him out um, that's you know what, what's the latest thing here we've had such guests as you know Todd Eastman Cowboy Chris Abbott you know so you, you get like you get like these in-depth interviews and guests and everything like that in addition to just his uh, you know, is, uh, what do you call it? I know, I know Piers does, well, not only does Piers jump on with us and talk, and talk with us every once in a while, but, um, you know, he's besides shooting the shit on censor, which I've appeared on, but he's also got this show that he does, uh, weekly. Um, it seems like, uh, he's got his regular guests too. So definitely check out everything Piers is doing on his network. Um, former Impact uh, ring announcer Piers Austin um, and uh, yeah I guess that's all the plugs that uh, we have time for or that we uh, have left to give so for the uh, for Brandon um, I have been the vet you've been a lovely audience and I don't have a sign offline <laughs>